Welcome to the Autonomy Talent Podcast, where we feature creatives, discuss what they do, what they do to promote their creative endeavors, and try to come up with new methods that might boost their results and yours. We'll also have the occasional industry expert here to talk about what's new in digital marketing. So enjoy the show and remember to always live intentionally. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Autonomy Talent Podcast. I have Stephen Jenkins here. Hello, mate. How are you getting on? Uh, doing well, man. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Trying to deal up with the pandemic and this whole coronavirus sort of shit. But apart from that, I'm generally quite well. Same here, man. This uh, seems to be a general topic of conversation on just about every episode I've done of this show. Oh, it's a start off like it's the easiest one to walk into. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's <laughs> it's the overarching topic that defines this past year now. So. Oh, especially with how mental all the politicians have been with it as well. Like it's not exactly oh, like uh, it's yeah, it's not exactly like it's been handled in the best ways, <laughs> especially on some of the music side. Anyway, like. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> I, try, I try not to listen to what much politicians say in the, as a general rule, but especially <laughs> when it comes to this rule. nonsense, they've all been playing politics with it from the from day one, and it's just that's I'd not how you that fix things. Financially, and they like, do you know what I mean? One of their ones, really. Right. Yeah, it's been a bit fucking sus, but anyway, on that side, achievement to the music. <laughs> oh boy, hasn't it though, man? Everything, everything about the whole thing has been suspect. It's just. Been kind of crazy. It's been weird. It's been weird. Most definitely. So, uh, your band, Ideas on a Stave, how did that yeah, name come Ideas about? On a stave. So, like, you know, a musical, well, in music, you have like a musical stave where you like, you know, when you see all the notes written out. Right. Yeah. So that's like a musical stave. Gotcha. So it's just like, um, so when you on sheet music, you, it's called like you write notes on a stave. So it's just ideas on a stage. So try keeping it quite musical and quite quite smart. I think I like I like to think, but uh, yeah, just try thinking outside the box on that a little bit. But it's been like a bit of an independent project um, currently because I started studying um, a master's degree up in a place called Talyard, London, which was a great place to study. Like you're surrounded by like loads of different musicians and different artists and like even actually signed artists and stuff like that because they got all studios based around the area, which is really cool. Um, but basically, it was a bit of an independent project where I started off writing all the music in studios myself and. Now I've moved to South Wales, which is just east of, oh no, sorry, just west of uh, London and the whole, well, England. So I'm in Wales where England is, do you, do you know about, you know about like Wales? Do you? A little or, bit, yeah. I'm not overly bit. familiar with the uh, geography of the great of Great Britain, but I do know where Wales is at least. Yeah, so I moved to Wales and currently surrounded by boxes a little bit, holding the microphone in my hand rather than using the mic stand. But uh, I've started finding like whole members throughout the area of um, mainly Bristol, to be honest. And I'm taking this now to the whole sort of band setting to then take it live. 
but it's just really when restrictions sort of ease up this hook can all go live do you know what i mean right so y'all are still pretty well locked down over there right oh mate massively locked down like there's no gigs nothing like that what's it like in your area oh it's it's mostly opened back up now. I mean, even several states over here have, re, have um, rescinded the mandatory mask mandates, and um, including my state here in Texas, uh, a lot of businesses still require it. And most people are still like, "Yeah, I'm still wearing it for now until we get this under control a little better." But uh, oh, completely, like all the uh, masks and stuff are still in this area. But apart from that, like, there's no concerts, nothing like that. Like all sorts. Venues are closed. Everything's pretty shut down until I'm pretty sure it's the 18th of May. So we've been open back up here for a while. Like I played a gig last December. Oh, really? Yeah. So. Oh, um, mate, we have not seen gigs since January of last year. Yeah, I know. It's been crazy. Y'all got hit just a a month or two before we did. You know, it wasn't until March when things started shutting down over here near the end of March. And. Actually, about right at mid-March, around March the 16th, something like that. Because that was the big joke around here because everybody said that, oh, yeah, the last last normal day we had was Friday the 13th because it was March 13th was the last Wait, the weekday chances? before they started closing down. <laughs> <laughs> of course. It just had to be the 13th, didn't it? Exactly. On Standard. a Friday. On a Friday, but of course. But of course. Yeah, man, but like around here, what? So, do you have gigs and stuff like that happening now in the states at the moment? Oh yeah, um, now some areas are locked down more than others. Like L.A., most of California is still significantly more um, restricted. Parts of like New York and stuff, they have limited openings and very um, limited capacity. When on other places that are open, you know, they have to maintain like you know maximum 50% capacity and things of that nature but uh, so 50% capacity because they I think they tried doing some of that stuff around here like they tried doing gigs and stuff like that but I think literally they said oh we'll do it 50% capacity but then when you consider like the sound engineer lighting engineer all that sort of stuff and everyone needs to get obviously paid and well it's it's expecting to still pay for every single person to work in that venue all the bands etc etc and then at 50% capacity, it just doesn't work. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, the math, yeah, the math just doesn't work out, does it? Yeah. Now nah, the math is just it's just completely screwed. And, like, obviously, I think it has – it's kind of – I think it will be a bit of a reset period for a lot of people. And, like, I'm trying to think of it the best way is that. Like, so as soon as things start opening, I can rehearse with this band in Bristol or, like, session musicians, et cetera, et cetera, and then just try and hit the festival circuit as much as I can in the U.K., but it's just taking it piece by piece. And I think every single per- band, I think what bands are surviving have been hit. Like, do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Everyone has. All the all the bands have been hammered. The venues have been hammered. The people that work there. Uh, I mean, just everything. Like A lot of restaurants are open back up here, and they have been for some time. They were at 50% capacity. They were bumped up to 75. Now they're just unrestricted. They can open 100%. Most of them have put, like, you know, plexiglass dividers between booths and things of that oh, nature really? yeah, to, to help, you know minimize things but nonetheless uh, we've got restaurants are opening and doing fairly well but i've had a couple of times when i went and they told me it'd be a 45 minute wait when there was not yeah but there wasn't like 10 percent of the capacity of the restaurant oh jesus it was mostly empty all right the problem was that they only had two servers because everybody went and found different jobs so there's there's a shortage in that field now well, yeah, well, there's a shortage in the field, but then it becomes difficult, doesn't it? Because you have to, 
I don't know, just like, I'm like wondering whether to just accept any job at the moment or trying to like hold out until some of the audio stuff comes through. Because like I always work as like a live mixing engineer at the moment. So like I'm currently emailing a couple of sound companies and hoping to get through to them. Because like I previously, before all this sort of band stuff, I'd done, um, well, not like the band stuff's taken full over currently, one day hopefully. But um, before all this, like I was doing festivals like Glastonbury Slam Dunk, like on the audio side. So mixing bands and stuff like that. And it's just, I ended up watching enough bands and seeing like enough music playing live. that I just got the confidence of just being like, hold up. I've been trying this for a while and like, I could just like jump off the cliff and do it. Like, do you know what I mean? So it's like not on that right. And I think that probably the pandemic has been a hit and miss because it is like a great, it's, I think it's a way to set off with a bang, but like it has hit every industry hard and no one really knows what the hell to sort of go back through. But it's all back to a fresh slate, I guess, in some ways. But a lot of the um, shops, like literally is what, half capacity if that, one-way systems put out, masks everywhere, of course, no venues open, no cinemas, no nothing like that. And I think it's going to be about another 16 days until that all opens up. That's crazy. So so when did you put this... So when did you put this project together or start putting it together? Well, I started putting this project, if it's May now, I would have started putting the project together. Well, it would have started at that mass, well, in the studios in May. So, or May of, no, May of last year. It would have been May of last year. And then I've wrote about six tracks, which two of them are out currently. But I'm staggering the releases, so there's plenty to go out throughout the year. Right. But um, pretty much about nine months ago, I'd say. Excellent. That's a pretty good um, turnaround on that. Starting it nine months ago, and you're already releasing things. That's, that's yeah. Well, that's why I took it kind of a little bit into my own hands. Like I was going to go with the whole sort of garage band sort of. Do you know what I mean? Like old school, writing it with loads of people. But I literally just took the whole idea of going in the studio, writing a lot of it myself. But I did get session musicians in or people that I just knew that were incredible musicians. Do you know what I mean? Right. And it's just finding out all those people that were like really sick, getting them in to play drums. So I had a mate of mine, Dean Dryden, play a lot of the the second track. I had a mate of mine, um, Richard Callum, that played um, the guitar on uh, same cliche, but I played bass on same cliche. I played bass and guitar on um, I know, as well as all the vocals for both of the tracks. So I'm kind of like that sort of producery sort of man of few talents. <laughs> few talents, I'd say. <laughs> Excellent, man. I know, I know what you mean about like when you have a band setting and you kind of rule by committee. It does tend to slow things down a lot because everybody has their own opinions on things but of course and like the lockdown was like a massive thing on that because like before i would have gone through the whole thing of just like probably working in the group setting but it just the lockdown kind of restricted that from me do you know what i mean so it didn't make so for a case where it was just like I, i couldn't work with other musicians for some of it like even as much as i'd like to I get it because I have, you know, I'm in a band myself, and there's five of us, and you know, we by the time we get something that we're happy with, you know, yeah, it it turns out pretty good, but it takes a while to get there because it there's a lot of you know back and forth, and everybody has their own ideas and such, so it, it sometimes it does make the process a lot longer to like just write and get something solid that you can even play live, much less get it around to recording. Have you been doing much like remote writing or anything like that? Um, like 
once in a while, you know, somebody will come up with a riff or something and they'll bring it to the to practice. But uh, we've been practicing in person together since. Oh, you've managed to actually practice in person. Oh, yeah. Since last May. I mean, there was only about two months that we weren't able to. OK. Because I only started thinking about taking the project like live life as of probably about a month ago. Because I just thought like, well, last year I was going to hit the summer festival seasons and then obviously the pandemic just completely hit down. So I thought, well, this year I should might as well do the festival seasons and well, try and get on to the later end. Because I think the most festivals this year, if they are going to happen, are going to be, well, it's May now, June, July, August, September, like September that's the earliest of some festivals at our end are looking at but that again is like a 50 percent capacity and i think that a lot of slots for like festivals of this year are going to go to bands that didn't manage to play like 2020 it seems like everyone's just playing catch up a little bit do you know what i mean yeah i'm sure those spots are going to be difficult to get yeah completely but i think once the ball's rolling again it's just that that's it it's just getting onto the ball once it starts rolling again like have you actually had gigs to in um, the states then or oh yeah oh yeah we've gigs. actually like there's again there's five of us and we're all grown with families and you know yeah. jobs and other obligations so trying to schedule dates that were all available to play is the first trick but like we've had to ha- turn down several gigs already this year because we just couldn't make it work scheduling wise but oh we mate, that, like two. if we try doing it it'd be illegal like literally oh, yeah. they done um festival they done like what some people done raves like and they were completely like like 10 grand fines i think for just turning up £10,000 fine just for turning up to a rave or something like that. And I know, obviously, like, you know, they'd have to keep restrictions on stuff like that anyway. And they were going to charge, like, they do fine you for turning up for them or building them in the first place. But, like, £10,000, it's a little bit steep, isn't it? But then to hear that in America, it's, like, all completely fine. It's a bit, man, a little bit mental. Yeah, it's, (laughs) that's more politics, you know, it's like, over there, you know, they're playing politics, like, making sure everybody stays like as if they're trying to make sure everyone is staying safe, but then they slap ridiculous fines where here you've got people that are playing politics with it, trying to open things up as fast as they can to make it look like they're doing something, you know? Yeah, so of course. Just, it's, it's just, it's, all a hit, it's a hit or miss though, isn't it? Like, it's like, what would you, like, I, I, I would like to complain about someone and go like, oh yeah, they're doing a shit job. But it's like, I don't know what the hell I would do in the middle of a pandemic. Do you know what I mean? If someone said to me like global disease is going to kick off, I'd be like, I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> Why ask me? <laughs> they they are in their profession but like it is the first time it's happened in probably like what a hundred years or something like that i know there's like the spanish plague or something but like still you're not gonna know are you like yeah yeah this is the first time we've we've had a worldwide thing going on like this since air travel was a thing you know since back last time we had this trains were the trains and horses were the primary sources of transportation (laughs) so it's a little different now Yeah, a little tad, tad different. (laughs) Just a tad. But the thing is, I didn't know whether I got it or not. Like, because I remember one point having like a really close up throat and just feeling like I was going to die. I ended up going in the back of an ambulance and being like checked on an ECG meter and being like, ah, but like there was no mention of like the whole sort of coronavirus. But this was literally like a month before. And they were just like, ah, some sort of respiratory disease. And I'm like, okay. And then like several months after, I'm just like, hmm, wonder if I had it. And I think I've heard a lot of people say like very similar things. I wonder if they have had it, but couldn't tell. Never got managed to get a test as a year or anything like that because I don't work within a sort of environment that I would be able to get a test or anything like that. So, right. no. Yeah. Have you managed to get tested? 
Do you, you'd have to get an um, antibody test now to see if you'd had it, and it, I don't know if they'd even still be around. No, we're not sure how long the antibodies stay in your system after you've had it yet, because we haven't had, don't have that much data yet. No, nah, literally, it's got to a point where no one has data on anything. <laughs> I know, and we're all playing it by ear. And, and I'm sure everybody at every level of leadership of every country and every world organization has screwed up at some point along the way during this thing. But like you said, you know, they're just people like us trying to trying to go, do it as they go. They're learning as they go. They're trying to figure it out as it's happening. So, it's, yeah, got to cut yeah, a little bit Yeah, that is slack. completely it. Like, like when people go nuts with them, it's just like at the end of the day, they are human beings. Some of them could react better like in front of a tv screen or whatever like you know when you're watching on tv they could act a bit better like i've seen some people lose their cool and then yeah. some but like at the end of the day they are just human beings so it's a little bit like how can you get too mad at them this is like everyone's allowed to fuck up a little bit until they start you know just being arrogant pricks about it sometimes and like acting like they they know everything when they clearly don't i mean i point to our former president <laughs> yeah i don't, yeah, I don't like to get political on here it's cool a little bit oh, boris geez. johnson has been losing his cool a little bit in the uh, office as well to be honest but he's nowhere near as bad as trump let's be honest <laughs> who is <laughs> I mean, well literally. let's be fair let's be fair i mean you just compare <laughs> anybody just else's twitter account <laughs> it was just a surprise how he ever got into politics like it just seemed like he got into politics because he had loads of money yeah and to feed his ego yeah yeah, like completely defeat his ego. Like that's the only reason that I could see him being present. But well, that's, like, that's why I don't pay attention to politicians much at all. Because if you even want that, it takes an exceptionally narcissistic person to even want that job. So if you're running for president, you're someone that I really don't wouldn't care for if I knew you. So I, I really don't have much to, much love for you right off the bat. <laughs> The thing I find mental was when I found out Kanye West was applying for president. Like, I have respect for Kanye West as well, like some of his music, but I was just like, present, really? Like, I guess that plays into the whole celebrity culture sort of thing. But, and I was kind of madded out when um, Twitter banned Trump or whatever, and it just felt like Twitter had more control than, like, the president in some ways, or more public outreach. But I was just a bit like, yeah, just a bit maddened out by the whole, like, yeah, past couple of years in politics have been a little bit crazy. Yeah, on every side of nuts. things as Absolutely. soon as social media i think got involved a little bit it's kind of sent everyone a little bit you were only two minutes away from sending a whole public message do you know what i mean just kicking off <laughs> or he was sorry donald trump was only like a two anytime you look at his phone just like before bed boom kick off kick off kick off kick off wherever he could yeah just stir the pot and wake up in the morning to see where it landed <laughs> yeah stir the pot and walk away <laughs> oh, yeah. he was definitely king of that yeah, they yeah, they really need to like make when they someone comes into office like that they need to make them shut all that crap off like you don't you know you're yeah, not allowed to know. be on Twitter it's and shit. It's weird, so. isn't it? It is weird and well, like oh what ban you like remove yourself off Twitter and all that social media sort of stuff. Yeah, well, I, I thought they did that with Obama when he was first elected. They like oh, took they? his personal phone and everything. He couldn't have his own personal cell phone and everything. But I guess I guess nowadays, even the one that they issued Trump, he could install Twitter on or something. But yeah, I don't know. It seems like they would have more security on in that on their devices. Yeah, then just like yeah, that does make complete no sense. And it's just like the case of what do you want to be? Do you want to be president or do you want to be like a social media? Do you want to be famous? Because like I guess though he came from the whole fucking side of fame, though, didn't he? Really? Because yeah, he was on that. Didn't he have a TV show that was? Um... Yeah, he had a hugely famous t- you know reality yeah, yeah, show. And 
Um, Schwarzenegger took it over after he left to become president. So, and I think it flopped at shortly thereafter. The but I mean, he's been in movies and all kinds of stuff. He's Donald mm-hmm. Trump has been a pop culture reference for you know thirty, forty years now. Well, that's it, isn't it? I guess that's completely mad how he just ended up as president though. No, no one expected it though, did they? No, they didn't. And like when Even we first here, announced like, it, I probably, thought he was joking. <laughs> yeah, literally. I think like I think a lot of people thought he was joking, and it just just happened. Just so happened. Oh well. Either way, <laughs> it's another one of those ones where it's just like I don't know enough about. Like I've never met him personally, so I wouldn't be like he's the worst person in the world. But he has made some terrible, terrible decisions. Oh, and it's always one of those ones where it's like certain people that are outspoken like that is going to be like you know you're just going to get frowned upon by the stupid things that they said rather than like actually well I I, I don't know much policy like do you know what I mean. Yeah, some of his policy, like, it was hit or miss as far as, you know, what I, I would consider what I would agree with. You know, it was probably about 50-50 split on most items. But what I really paid attention to, which was admittedly not a lot, but um, and the, but that's the same with just about every president since I can remember there being a president. I agree with about half the stuff that they did, you know, so. And I guess, like, at the end of the day, they do lead, like, they set by example, don't they? So it's not just what they necessarily do, it's what they say. If they start saying stupid shit, it's just, like, it does, it, it leads other people to do stuff, I guess, in some ways. Yeah, like storm the Capitol building. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that guy with the uh, horns and the blue face mask and all, uh, no, the face yeah. paint and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, that that was that was that was a funny side from you guys. That was a, one of the most absurd things. I couldn't believe I was actually watching that happen. It looked like a, a scene from a bad movie <laughs> or an RPG like game. Yeah, like a World of Warcraft character. <laughs> it was literally like seeing a World of Warcraft character on my TV screen. I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Exactly, or a plot line out of a Call of Duty game or something. <laughs> but of course, that is probably going to be the next one. It's going to be more about like taking out people that are fucking storming the fucking Capitol building, apparently. Uh, face masks and all. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, like whenever that um, there was a movie where a group of terrorists actually overtook the White oh. House back years ago. Um, it's called um, Olympia Has Fallen, I think it was. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and it was a really pretty good movie, but yeah, everybody that trilogy, analyzed right? it said it was far fetched. Do what? They've done a tra- they done a trilogy, didn't they? Yeah, there were a couple. I think there were three of them. There was one, London Has Fallen, and then yeah. the third one that I don't even remember the title of. But I never saw either one of the other two. I just saw the first one. But I guess, it, like you were going to say, it's not too far of a fucking shadow from the truth. I guess in some ways, scarily, but uh, won't worry about that one. <laughs> Yeah, well, like everybody right after that movie, like people that were anal- analyzing it, you know, on YouTube and whatnot, they were all talking about how far-fetched it was or you wouldn't be able to do that in real life because of this and this. And it's like, um, maybe not at the White House, but you can apparently do it at the Capitol building. <laughs> <laughs> apparently so. And like I've definitely seen a lot of Instagrams of people that seem like they're 007 or something like that, like change their real names and all <laughs> this sort of stuff and instantly all black everything. And it's just a bit like, all right, calm down. <laughs> Let's not get that far. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, it does seem a little bit uh, crazy on the world of Instagrams and social medias. <laughs> it really does. But... Yeah. But, but like, I guess it's all what, what you, you make it, you know. It's what you make it. And I guess, like, everyone's been locked down, haven't they? Do you know what I mean? So you just got to, like, wait until everyone can get back outside and start socializing a bit more. Start feeling the love. <laughs> yeah, like, like, over here, you know, everybody's out and about. Like, you can go 
out shopping and places or have pretty decent crowds now. And it's just, it's really kind of refreshing to see somewhat back to normal. Although about 80% of people are wearing face masks at this point. And some people are like, they were just waiting for the day they didn't have to. So Yeah. But I have noticed the coin of the term, like, um, fucking new normal, because like at one point you just, well, it, it just seems like this became a slight normal for a while, but like it was a normal that no one wanted. Right. And then, like, trying to, th- I'm trying to just like think back to the times where I would have been like out at a festival, and like it's been a good while. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, because I, I guess you haven't had festivals though, have you? Or a fa- like half capacity as well, or just gigs? Um, I don't know of any festivals that have taken place as of yet. Like, I was going to say a whole festival during I- a whole pandemic would be a little bit mad. Yeah, but I think there are some scheduled starting this summer, starting in like May or June. So oh, that's not so bad. That's so why I do know it's like some big festivals. There's like a one big tour. There's a, a a pretty big name metal band that I've uh, known for uh, for a while that's making Which a big reunion. Which metal band? Which metal band? Which which metal band? I'm a I like I used to love a lot of metal. To be fair. Oh um um. Oh, I just blanked on it. <laughs> I had it in my head and I just blanked on it. Um, uh, I say mushroom heads, but that's not right. It's um, um, the dude from Hell Yeah, he his old band, Mudvayne. Mudvayne. Oh Mudvayne. mate, I haven't yeah. listened to Mudvayne in years. Yeah, I yeah. To, like, well, they haven't I put anything in oh. ten years or better now, so they're back together and touring again, and they're going to be hitting some big festivals this year. So, oh crazy. That's the only reason I knew of that because I saw a big festival tour that they're doing where there's like a big stadium show, you know, with a bunch of bands. So there's only like ten dates I think across the country. But because um, I massively grew up on like stuff like Slayer, I Maiden, Metallica, yes, and then like eventually developed into the whole like death metal stuff like uh, Cryptopsy, um, Deicide, uh, what. Um, then like Californian technical death metal for ages, like between the buried and me. Um, oh, I'm trying to think now. But then like I just got into really like loads of pop music of of late like the 1975. I listened to a bit of like some hip hop music, some grime music, and stuff like that. But generally, like now and that less, I've been listening to less and less. I've been writing more and more, really, to be honest, because I'm trying to get out like for well, probably about another six track EP or something like that. Because I'm going to try and do, like, or so everyone's aware of what's upcoming, really, is, like, more videos. I've obviously got the um, I Know video on YouTube as well as the same cliche video on YouTube. But um, my plans from there is another two videos that are going to go up. Uh, one for a track called What You Say and another one for a track called Dreamin'. And then it's on to a six-track EP with um, more musicians, thankfully. Once Now that the restrictions are off, I can actually meet more musicians and actually start jamming out. But it's a case of I tend to write a lot of it at home by myself and then bring it to the band sort of situation. So by the time I bring it to the band, it's already got a lot of structure and stuff like that already there. Nice. Yeah. They're just trying to keep working hard, working hard, really, to be honest, because there's like before all this all the sound stuff i was doing is kind of that i haven't had a gig with that side since like core january of last year right. so it's been working it all out you know what i mean i've had to move away from london because like this the city is absolutely dead whereas like you said i'm well i don't i don't know about 
currently but it's definitely a lot less people than there was about before but like i remember the last time i lived well when i was living there say about six months ago eight months ago i was walking through like literally the city was empty almost empty it was surprisingly like you go to the pub and like some of the pubs were still had people about and do you know what i mean but like i think that with london a lot of people commute and a lot of people definitely come from into the center rather than live necessarily in the center so once it's all kicked off it just went silent absolutely silent it was that way here for a brief while like i remember um, I got laid off from my job, my day job, because of COVID and all that, and our company downsized dramatically right off the bat. Um, yeah, and, I think uh, a lot of companies downsized of course, yeah. like massively. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah it was a common malady. But like a week later, so about two weeks into this whole the whole lockdown here in the states, and I'm doing finger quotes when I say lockdown because it was not as bad as most places, but it was still <laughs> pretty severe. Most retail places were closed. I remember I, I went for a drive one afternoon just because I was bored. I'm like, well, I'm just going to get in my car and go drive for a while and just check things out. I remember going – there's a mall, and a it's got a large, like, retail center around it with a bunch of, like, you know, single-story little shopping centers. And, and I just drove around through that area, and the whole place was – it's normally just packed with people all the time. And it was middle of the afternoon – and it was a complete ghost town. It was creepy as it could be. <laughs> there was definitely moments where, like, I remember, like, what, say, about six months ago, where we were mid-proper pandemic. And, like, I left London because I was like, right, it's all going to shut down. And everyone was like, nah, 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 nothing's going to happen. And I was like, no, like, this is going to fucking kick off. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I was proper expecting the, well, like, this was, what, about a year ago, a year and a half ago, expecting the worst. And it was like, nah, they can't do anything. And I, I evacuated London because I was just like, nah not happening not happening not because like in london you tend to pay like 600 pound for a double room and it's not worth it's not worth like i'd rather like hang about with my parents or something like that or went to go see family um but yeah when i was paying i stopped paying 700 for the double room moved back to uh norfolk temporarily and i just watched this sort of dwindle down or dwindle down <laughs> oops sorry <laughs> but um I remember seeing like mid pandemic, literally like shops absolutely heaving and then the figures just massively increase. Like I know that like I, before I said, ah, oh, if I was handling it, I wouldn't handle it. Like I can't say I'd handle it any better, but there was definitely times where I watched people just crowded, absolutely crowded, like mid pandemic. But that was like six months ago anyway. That's crazy, isn't it? It is absolutely. But hopefully never again. And like I think in the UK they did say that they weren't going to have a fourth lockdown because like it can't they can't just handle it. Do you know what I mean? Economically they can't handle it. But yeah, imagine I'm, all the small businesses that have just gone completely out of business now because of this. I know a lot of people did here. A lot of small business owners lo- completely lost their business because of this because they couldn't afford to continue to pay rent. So well, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Man. I think like it has to be that middle point, doesn't it? Really, you can't have every business grab uh, business, but you can't obviously have everyone die off a pandemic. So uh, a bit of a subtle mix of between the two, isn't it? Really, it really is. I'm just glad I don't have that job of deciding what to do. Really, to be honest, <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> yeah, completely. Like that—that's the one thing. It's just when people kick off about it, it's just like, yeah, but it's a bit of a terrible decision. But then those people that are like, oh, I know exactly what I do. It's like. No, I don't think you do know exactly what you would do. <laughs> you like to say it, but I'm not sure about it. <laughs> yeah, Monday morning quarterbacking is real easy, but... 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> I've never heard that expression before, but I like it. I, I like guess not. I mean, from the UK, you're not as much into American football, I would assume. But I've worked an American football here. event. <laughs> I've worked an American football event. Um, I ended up doing an NFL event when they were in uh, Wembley. Like oh, yeah. I ended up um, handing those microphones to a um, couple of. Um, presenters or something like that i think they were like previous players or whatever do you know what i mean all that sort of thing and they had all the cheerleaders dance on stage and stuff like that which was it was cool it was, it was enjoyable yeah man it wasn't bad at all like all the pre-show and everything like that it was it was it was eventful and like they gave me a couple of t-shirts and uh, america footballs and stuff like that for working the events so i was like oh fantastic awesome yeah it's definitely a fun event and like I, I can I can admire I can admire a lot of the NFL thing because you could tell it's like it is a party when like NFL's about. Oh, definitely, and it definitely. There's such a, uh, a the ecosystem of of the NFL is just massive between all the merch and all the the fantasy football stuff that goes on and just the all the bars and sports bars and stuff that make a fortune on Sundays and Monday nights whenever their games being played. You know, it's just. Yeah, it, it's massive. massive. It is absolutely massive. Well, like I'm, I'm, I used to watch a bit of the WWE as well, and that's absolutely huge. Yeah. Yeah, mate, absolutely fucking massive. I never realized like how big some of the Americans. Well, obviously, you know, I know how big some of the American sports are, but when I've seen them over here, I've just been like amazed by the size. It's almost like a festival. Yeah, I mean, like the football stadium we have. Uh... It's about 12 minutes down the road from me right here where the Cowboy, Dallas Cowboys play. And I, I don't remember the numbers, but it's like upwards of like 100,000 people that it'll see. Jesus Christ. Like, in, well, I guess in America, well, that's in the home area as well, isn't it? So, yeah, of course. Absolutely massive. With, with what, at the time, I, I think it's been beaten now, but at the time it was the world's largest retractable roof. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Well, I remember seeing one where they swapped out the... I don't know which team it was or whatever, but they swapped out the green. So like the green would actually like separate, go underground and then they'd load yep. a whole other green. Yeah. All that sort of stuff. It, it absolutely amazes me to be honest. Yeah. It's crazy. The stuff they can do with that. Completely like engineering of that sort of thing. And like, obviously, yeah, just like it's all completely madness. And I remember I've worked one stadium. Like I remember I put barriers for when Guns N' Roses played in uh, London, in um, London Arena actually, and like I set up some of the barriers, just the you know like the barriers that go around the front of stages. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I set up some of them, and I managed to actually sit around and watch um, some of the show. And like, cool, Axl Rose got fat, but apart <laughs> from that, oh mate, he got fat as fuck. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But they were definitely enjoyable to watch, and like the size of an arena could be absolutely amazing. Like it could be. Com- completely bewildering like but that's something obviously i've not seen now in about a year and a half <laughs> right because um football games they've them they've not got crowds and stuff like that have they? they've been pumping in crowd noise on like tv and stuff haven't they they have at some of those games and that's just kind of bizarre huh? oh it's the most <laughs> weirdest abstract thing as well especially when you can hear it and you're just a bit like what the fuck <laughs> yeah you know it's bullshit and it's like um I'm sorry I can't suspend my disbelief quite that much. This isn't <laughs> sadly no. I I sorry I did not ask you for like to swear and I've already sworn quite a lot on this podcast. I apologize. Oh yeah. Oh totally good. Yeah, no worries. Totally good. I've already <laughs> fucked it up so it's already fine. We're already there. We're already there. Oh yeah, my my shit's all all uh, marked with explicit lyrics. I don't give a damn. <laughs> oh, safe, safe, perfect. 
Perfect. No worries on that side. But yeah, the uh, crowd noise can be a little bit underwhelming and you just like hear it. I think the worst one for it was because I started watching WWE again briefly a little bit, especially during the WrestleMania or the SummerSlam bits. And I was like, that was the worst for it because you can see there's no crowd there. And it's just like, hey, and all this stuff. It's like, no, 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 no. Or some of the NFL games, they actually had like cardboard cutout people. Jesus. Really? But they'd have like a little bit of them, not like the whole they, thing, but they'd the, have like they a little had section. They had cardboard cutout people. That's mental. Oh, yeah. It was completely bizarre. And But then some some stadiums would have like, you know, 20% capacity. Some were like 50 and some were zero. It just depended on which loca- you know, lo- locale you were at. So because everybody I'm still trying to work out. I'm still trying to work out who made the executive decision to put cardboard cutouts of people in the crowd. That I just remember like seeing a... that one time, and it was just like, really? That sounds more like a joke. <laughs> and I like, think it was like mostly I... like players and celebrities and things like that that they had hard cardboard cutouts of like in the crowd. It's like, did you get all of their permissions to use their, you know, their image here? Because if you, you had to pay licensing for all that, you just spent a fortune doing that. Of course, yeah, shit. I didn't think about that. They would have spent a fortune one on the cardboard cutouts and the licensing, and but like still, someone's executive decision was, do you know what? I'm going to spend a grand on getting cardboard cutouts of a load of people and just stick them in the crowd. And that <laughs> sounds that, like a fantastic How did that pitch idea. meeting go? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the guy at the back of the meeting just like, that sounds fantastic. What? No. Ah, oh well. Instead of saying, what the hell are you smoking? <laughs> yeah. Someone was on the crack. Someone was on crack. <laughs> just and some cheap crack, that. too. There wasn't even the good stuff. <laughs> that was some cheap shit. Where's stuff? <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah man but oh i don't know yeah it's been a crazy old thing for the rest of the well for all the world really to be honest i think that everyone's gonna be into new jobs and stuff like that because you said like you got laid off and like all my works pretty much got laid off i think i managed to actually get an email back asking me about like certain things about the sound stuff but i think everyone's just on a massive reset period and i've just constantly freak out do you know that do, do you see that reset video the conspiracy huh. one. No, I haven't. Uh, there was like some conspiracy... Oh, here we go into the conspiracy talks. But uh, there was some conspiracy video on YouTube, like Bill Gates and all that being like, now it's called the Great Reset. And I feel like that's kind of happening. But like, I don't know how bad or good it is. Do you know what I mean? It kind of right. seems like the whole world is resetting. But if that's a good or bad thing, I have no idea. There was like this whole video being like, oh, you will own nothing. Everything will be rented. And I was just a bit like, oh, OK. And that sounds a bit, it sounds economical. Like at the end of the day, if I don't need to use it all the time and it's rented, maybe. But like sometimes you want to own something as well. I don't know. This is weird. Yeah. And you and you can't really mandate that then because now you're just venturing straight into communism yeah, territory. Exactly. So exactly that is like the weirdness of it isn't it but i don't know mate politics is beyond me yeah i try to stay steer clear from it as much as i can these days i used to be like a real really into it like i I listened to a lot of political talk and stuff and i just i got so just completely overwhelmed with all that i just don't want have hardly anything to do with it like i have not watched a single presidential address from one of our presidents for at least probably, oh, since probably about George W. Bush's first term. Oh, Jesus, that's quite a while. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's quite a few years. That's good 16 years now. So like, I just cool. don't don't 
pay any attention to it anymore. It's like they're going to do what they're going to do. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And I hear about the things that will affect me and through whatever channels I happen to hear about him, but I don't need to listen to him stand up there and spout off whatever he's going to, whoever it happens to be at the time. So. Well, I stopped watching TV for like the whole time I lived in London, pretty much. I would always like stream a lot of my stuff online. And then like when I went to visit my parents, I started watching TV and watching the news. And then like, as you said, overwhelmed was pretty much the situation. I was just like, I cannot handle all this crap they are talking. It's just too much nonsense. Yeah, same same here. I'm like, I'm a proud cord cutter. I don't have cable. I, I stream pretty much everything. I have a one of the digital antennas so that I can pick up the locals stations just to be able to watch football during the yeah. season so. it's, it's got to that point though isn't it like because obviously like live sports you're still going to want obviously because like that's like live you can't you know not miss that in live but like a lot of standard tv is losing it's losing viewership probably quite a lot because oh, yeah like, no, definitely yeah like the only people i think that actually watch tv are probably like my parents people of that sort of age and then everyone's obviously on netflix like do you know what i mean yeah, my my dad still has a satellite dish and he still you know uses it, but he, he even he gets like frustrated because he's got you know five hundred channels and has a hard time finding anything he actually wants to watch on it. So. I was actually about to say as well. Even my parents, I think, are going to fucking Netflix now. So uh, yeah, TV's dead. <laughs> Kid here first. <laughs> yeah, your your last bastions of hope are leaving you now. Yeah, yeah, like literally, I think TV is pretty much the last. Last of its kind, though. It's, it's pretty much on its last legs. Yeah, at least TV the way we've known it. I mean, I have a television, but I use it for YouTube and Netflix and Hulu. <laughs> but then, like, I guess, like, in some ways, that probably makes the industry a bit better for everyone because, like, with it being online, you pick what you want to watch. What you want to watch becomes popular. And, well, like, if it becomes popular online, it'll become... It, like, because I remember loads of TV shows just only get into about two seasons or something like that, and they just get cut off because they didn't have the following. But then, like, say about what a couple of years later, it becomes a cult classic, and then they do like the reshoot. Because I remember what Invader Zim, I used to love that when I was younger, and then they d like that died off, and then it, no one watched it for years, and then apparently it amassed such a cult following that they re then released a film. So, like, I think if Netflix existed in days like that, it would have carried across. And, like, you know, you get, um, what is it, Rick and Morty, that massively exploded. So I think, like, with online internet and, like, obviously streaming services like that, things like that will just last longer anyway. Yeah, definitely. There was a, I can't remember the name of the show. I, it's not something that I watched, but there was a show that had a, um, Kristen Bell was the actress that starred in it. And uh, it got canceled after X number of seasons on television, whatever it was. And, and it wound up one of those that had such a fan outcry that like Netflix or somebody, I don't think it was Netflix. It was like kind of pre Netflix, but somebody else like picked it up and started putting it out. It might've been Hulu and well, the early days of their like uh, original content, but like, Hulu's quite it, big in America, isn't it? Oh yeah. Yeah. I have not seen Hulu at all. Not in the UK. Oh, wow. It's not big over here. But that happens. You know, sometimes anyway, sorry, you can... as, as you were saying, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Oh, no worries. I'm just saying that, like, that shows like that, that pick up steam because of a big fan, you know, outreach and somebody else picks it up, buys the rights to it, starts producing it again. So, yeah, of course. And like, it's, it's kind of nice. Well, like I remember the Invaders in one, especially the film. I was just like, yes, my childhood is relived. So <laughs> I was back to there. I needed to be. So yeah, that was quite enjoyable. But um, yeah, man. 
That's cool, man. So, uh, so what do you try and like, I noticed you mentioned earlier that you've started putting out your solo work here, um, for your band that, well, I say band, it's, um, forming into a band at this point, as you it said. It is forming into a band. It's kind of been a bit of a solo project, but I'm giving up right. the reins, I think, man, a little bit. Well, you mentioned something about you were kind of drip feeding your tracks, um, and I've heard a lot of people are doing that. You know, they'll put out, instead of dropping entire albums or even EPs, they'll drop single, 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 because yeah. you get more traction from it that way. Have, uh, I think that's a bit of it, yeah. And, like, it's waiting for, I guess, hoping that one pops off. And, like, because of the pandemic, that stopped gigging. And I think the gigging can be, like, especially with the type of music that I'm writing, it helps a lot to be able to gig. And with gigs not being yeah. existence, it's just like trying to start off, I guess, almost fresh. But like, and now that things are opening in some ways, I know that like open mic nights and stuff like that are opening up so I can at least play with like acoustic sets and stuff like that through the whole project. But live, I think, is going to be a bit of a hold off. It is pretty much a bit of an internet project for a good couple of months, I guess. But then... I guess everyone else's is pretty much an internet project. I know like some bands aren't even playing gigs this way until 2022, but the drip feeding system, I, I don't know. A lot of artists do it online now anyway. Like, I think that the albums are still about like, cause do you know a band bring me the horizon? Yeah. They released an album um, a couple of months ago, and I know that done quite well, or I would imagine it done quite well. Um, so I still think like the album cycle is still about, and people still enjoy an album. But for for the current position I'm in, I think it's just a single route. I think would be the best option for myself, and just drip feeding it out until the end of the pandemic. It, it's kind of thought out, but half and half is kind of not thought out, if I'm honest. Um, but like. I think it's one of those things where until the pandemic lifts off and a band like mine or a project like mine, it it has to be here live. It is the type of project to go live and go nuts to live, really, to be honest. And I'm quite like, I I like to think I get a bit uh, boisterous live. So it's more that sort of project, if you know what I mean. I I do. Our band is the same way. It's a hard rock bordering on metal type band and uh, with roots in like, 90s grunge and early 2000s you know metal works so yeah. uh um a little bit of new metal influence here but we don't really sound like new metal it's just it's kind of a un- unique um combination of influences but um yeah but it's the same way you know we our recordings what recordings we have are just of live performances we haven't actually gotten into the studio and gotten recordings done yet Thanks in large part to, you know, pandemic stuff. But yeah, um, yeah so we're, we're working on getting that going here over the next couple months. But like I, we're the same kind of way, you know, like live is where we really bring it. You know, that's, that's yeah. where that's where it, that you need to see it live to really appreciate it. Of course. And like rec- but recordings become so like convenient nowadays as well. Like cause that's part of the reason why I studied my uh, master's degree in music production, um, just to be able to record my own stuff and to be able to like work in a bedroom i guess to a certain degree or be able to work from a bedroom to like the studio sort of stuff because i recorded all the drums on um the recordings myself and well recorded all the musical instruments really um vocals i my vocals on the project and yeah it's got to that point where thankfully due to the training i got at Italia, i'd like all hats off to that 
place like Talia Music, shout out. Um, yeah, like I learned how to record drums, guitar, bass, synths, mix, master. They even sought me out. Um, one of the engineers that worked on a Bjork uh, track, or like worked to engineer one of the uh, Bjork's latest album, actually. Um, he done like a one-to-one mixing session with myself, some guy from Australia that was like sick. I can't remember his first and last name, sadly. I'm terrible with names. But um, yeah, it was a great experience. That's awesome. Yeah, man. I man. definitely like, yeah, I'm into all that mixing and mastering and like recording and all that sort of stuff. Like the audio engineering side is, pro- well, it's not what brought me into music, but like I kind of, I'm trying to think of what I'd done before. Yeah, because I worked in, before I'd done like any of this music stuff and done it, well, at audio full time, like I was working at an insurance company and with like an ex-missus that she was all right but you know one of those sort of ones where you're kind of settling and yeah i kind of just decided to leave the job or whatever do music um start studying at a place called the british institute of modern music and um yeah from that point pretty much like started working as a live audio engineer and then i was writing tracks while being a live audio engineer and this was getting to that point where i was like do you know what i might want to take these a little bit further so i decided to do my master's degree and this was only like a year and a bit ago when i started doing the master's degree to do music production and then yeah i learned i I didn't realize at the time how much i was learning do you know what i mean yeah you know when there's ones where it's like it's not until you finish the process that you're like you look back and you're like oh shit i learned a lot <laughs> right like a fucking lot <laughs> and i was like yeah really really fucking amazing how much i learned like about myself or like not that about the course and all that fucking shit or like yeah like doing a master's for a year you learn a lot about everything like do you know what i mean oh i can i can imagine yeah but it's it's a, i think processes like that it's what you put in you get out and that's when thinking about trying to do the band a bit more bit more seriously is the more i put into it the hopefully the more i get out of it could could not go anywhere but you know it's one of those ones where you just got got to give it a try i hear you i, I played around with several different daws last year because uh oh, like okay. most most of them all had like 60 and 90 day free trials you know back during the yeah. pandemic and, reaper's uh, a good one that's got um yes reaper's free love, yeah love reaper yeah all you gotta do is like every single time it goes like your ninety days is up, it's just click close and then it just lets you use it anyway. So it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah you click keep keep evaluating. <laughs> yeah, keep evaluating. Yeah, that's the best. That's exactly the one. Yep. That's or perfect. you could go pay the sixty dollars and get the fully licensed version of it, and it's it's like one of the cheapest ones out there. And I I don't remember where those guys those guys have developed something else. I don't I forget what it was, but like they made their nut on that, and they did this one just. Yeah for fu- the fun of it mainly and just because they wanted it to be able to use themselves and they figured ah, if we make a few bucks off of it here and there that's great but they're really and they keep it maintained and everything so yeah it's, it's ableton, a good program I and i love it do you know do you know about ableton yeah my bandmates use ableton um yeah because i remember apparently apparently they made that whole program just so they like it was like two djs just so they could dj live and do everything that they wanted with like some of the synthesizers and stuff like that but um yeah like literally and you can make ableton in ableton there is a way i've been told apparently that you can just make ableton inside of ableton with max probably with max for life and uh yeah i just find that hilarious but i use uh logic myself i've used pro tools but like pro tools can be a bit i don't know janky you know it's it's probably it's the most professional it is probably the most professional it's just i just can't get my hands around it it's not janky it's probably just me that's janky with it to be honest 
<laughs> it's a matter of the the interfaces. Uh, from what I hear, I have that's not one that I, I tried out, but um, I hear that it's just the interface is just not as intuitive and it's little not quite as user friendly. It's not as user friendly, I wouldn't say. And like visually, I'd say I prefer Logic visually than Pro Tools, but it's it's not bad. No, like I I can get on with it. Do you know what I mean? Like that's the thing. I've seen them in studios or like I've used them here and there, and I've been like. I can record eight tracks with it. I can do that much. But I've seen people edit on it and they're fast and they literally press a couple of keys and they do mental things. And I'm just like sat there like, yeah, uh, Pro Tools? No. (laughs) Not a guy for it, sadly. Yeah, that's beyond me. Reaper was my favorite one that I tried. I I did try Ableton and I did try... um, uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones offhand, and it's not coming to FL Studio. Oh, FL Studio, mate, represent <laughs> back in the days. I remember, yeah. like, I think that was the first DAW I downloaded, and I did not understand the hell of what to do with it. I made, like, little bleeps and bloops, and that was about it. Yeah, I had an older, that's not one that I got a trial of. I had an older, like, I shouldn't probably say this online, but uh, I had an older cracked copy of it that a, a former band. Oh, we all have cracked copies of stuff, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. Well, I, tr- I tried using it, and it just it, – I was able to put build some drum beats with it and stuff. It was fairly okay. intuitive for that, but uh, I kept getting – like when I tried to hook up live instruments to it, I kept getting mad feedback that I never could figure out what was going right. on, and it was recording that way. So I was like, oh, okay, yeah. never mind. So I jumped back over to Reaper. Yeah, fair enough. Plugin aligns to some really cool plugins. Those ones I pay for. <laughs> or like most most of my plugins I do pay for. I think I've just got like a cheeky copy of one or two things that I have not paid for or that I cracked. But they will soon be being removed. <laughs> uh, disclaimer. But right. Uh, <laughs> right, I know, right? But uh, yeah, no, no, generally, uh, Fab uh, Fabfilter do a couple of good stuff. Um, Fabfilter fab, uh, plugin alliance. UAD Audio is the um, I've got one of those Apollo Twin interfaces, which are quite cool. And that's how I make my voice sound like this. It sounds not half bad, as far as I know. But, um, yeah, man. Yeah, you, your audio is really good on here. So. Oh, thank you. Thank I, you I very much. I just have a pretty basic little uh, Behringer four-channel mixer that I use. <laughs> it still sounds good, though. I was actually thinking how all right it sounds like. Do you know what I mean? Because I have been on podcasts, and it has sounded not as good. So, well done. <laughs> and uh, what kind of a mic are you using? uh aston stealth so it's a british company um the place i studied at Yard, they actually had some endorsement through them and i think they just like knocked off some money off the microphone for me so yeah it's a, it's a very cool mic like you know the shore sm7b yeah yeah it's very similar to that apart from it has four different voicings you can like turn this little clicky thing and then it changes between four different um eq settings basically oh nice yeah, it's not bad at all, really. And I think like it's I think it was like hundred pound cheaper than um the SM seven B, which well, hundred hundred and fifty twenty five dollars. I don't know how much the conversion rate would be. But um yeah, it was a little bit cheaper than the SM seven B, but I was like like in between the two and I kinda went for this and it wasn't that bad of a choice. Excellent. Yeah. I'm currently using an Audio Technica AT twenty twenty. It's a decent I little you know, condenser mic. Yeah, I feel good things. Definitely for the price. Anyway, for a budget, I think like exactly. the Billy Eilish album was recorded on one of them or something like that. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, I literally do think that like one of the Billy Eilish re- re- like albums were recorded on one of 
then because like she has two uh, as far as i know or one ep and one album whatever but i know it's i'm pretty sure it's the 80 2020 i would check for this i'll be clicking clicking but yeah um but i'm pretty sure yeah it was surprisingly yeah. cheap anyway surprisingly cheap mike i don't i'm not a singer so i'd have to use it for this so it, wor- it works uh, great it for this it does sound good it does sound good a little sound dampening you know uh, panels i've got up to help knock out That's the room sweet. reverb and there you go yeah mate does the job definitely does the job Definitely sounds very American. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. that's, just, that's just my American accent I got over here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's, sounds like it's belongs on the radio. <laughs> mm. But, um, yeah, man. So, um, I'm trying to think. <laughs> so, you're saying it's probably going to be fall before you get a chance to start seeing festivals kick off again over there, right? Yeah, well, I'm basically taking it to a whole band in about a month's time, and then it will be full between any festivals. But I won't. I don't think I'll be able to get my project onto them. But like, it'll basically be. I know a couple of bands in London, and I know a signed band in East Anglia as well. And it's just, I'm gonna. I think everyone's gonna be go as soon as, as soon as we're allowed to have gigs. Everyone's go and like between me and a couple of other bands, we've all spoken and been like, oh, look, we should all start kicking together, just get that momentum up, because I think that momentum is going to be... Momentum's going to be the word of the year, really. Once everything's opening up, it just makes life a little bit easier for everyone to to go. And, like, until you can all go, you can't all go, can you? And I think, like, the thing that annoys me about the music stuff is, like, or music is... Not music itself, but, like, how the restrictions have acted is sound engineers and musicians were, like, the first ones out of work and were the last ones back into work, apparently, as well, because of how the restrictions have ended up. And I know, like, you know, there's only so much you can do and, obviously, gigs are big places filled with people, but we were the first ones out and the last ones back in, like, do you know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, I sure do. Yeah, completely. Like, cause and the thing is, they go like, oh, you know, just you're just gonna have to get any other job for now. Just get any other job for now. And it's like, mate, at the end of the day, everyone's going for any other job but now because everyone's job got fucked. So let's work that one out. But um, I think things will pick up, to be honest. And like, it's I think it will be one of those things where we all look back on it in like three. I I reckon like a couple of years time, we'll all look back on it and be like, yeah, it's fine, nothing, but during the time it obviously has like probably mentally distressed quite a few people well like it's, it's affected my mental health like you know what i mean i think it's affected everyone's mental health really but um i don't yeah, see how it couldn't <laughs> yeah that's the thing how it couldn't affect someone's mental health and like there are definitely people that are like oh no i've been completely fine and like to be honest the first three months i was like video games smoke weed it'll all be fine three months this i could deal with but then it turned into a year and a half and i was like ah fuck <laughs> whereas before it's like oh you know i could just just play video games nintendo smoke weed all day this would be fantastic just like write some more music this will all be good but um yeah apparently not apparently yeah. it had to drag on by another nine months yeah i was the same way i, I blew up some uh call of duty servers back in those days mm. <laughs> in those first few months yeah. i was playing that 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 um warzone version came out right about then did you ever play that I didn't know I didn't manage to play that. I've been a massive Nintendo Switch player recently. Oh, okay, cool, cool. So I've been playing like a lot of Super Mario stuff like that because just getting high and playing that. But like to be honest, I am thinking about picking up a PS5 and like 
if I wasn't so broke during the pandemic, I probably would have picked up a PS5, but like yeah. obviously financial constraints and all that sort of stuff. But uh, how was it? Oh, it's it's fun. Like it was. My daughter has a Xbox One, and uh, like I share custody with her. So like when she's not here, I would bring it in the living room and hook it up. And that um, Call of Duty Warzone had just like just come out, like right about the time everything got shut down over here. And so it's like Call of Duty. You know, you've got the Call of Duty level weapons and graphics and whatnot. But it's a one giant multiplayer world, kind of like um, Fortnite. Well, it's kind of like Fortnite, yeah. I was gonna say, I've, i I, I did watch my mate play it, and like, cause I've managed to see a couple of mates during the pandemic and stuff like that. I've not been completely like right. a fucking castaway, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, like fucking, I have seen it, and like, I know it is a bit like um, Fortnite on that sort of side. Yeah, so it's like I don't know, it's fun. I got really into it for a while there. I was playing it like for hours every day for those first couple months of the lockdown because what the hell else was I going to do? Let's be honest, yeah, that was it. Like, as soon as the lockdown happened, I think I started playing Zelda, Zelda uh, Breath of the Wild, and I didn't actually manage to complete that, but I did get in a few hours, like, do you know what I mean? Because, like, what else was there to do? <laughs> uh-huh. That, between that and, like, Netflix and stuff, like, watching you know, binging all of Tiger King in one day and things of that nature. <laughs> yeah, completely, completely. I have thinking like that I have been spending too much time on the uh, old internet and fucking technology as well. So I've been trying to get away from it a little bit, I think. But overall, what else could you do more? I think it has got to that point though that I have noticed that it's like, I probably deserve some time outside of the house. <laughs> Exactly. Well, I, I kept like making up excuses, you know, just to take my dog out for a walk and just go walk around the neighborhood just to get out of the house and get away from the screens for a little bit, you know, and get some fresh air and some sunlight, a little vitamin D, you know. Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, I think that's I think that's what everyone's been missing as well as vitamin D. Like I actually even picked up some vitamin D fucking tablets because I did of- too. Yeah, yeah, literally. I think everyone's been spending far too much time inside. And I'm not like the whole conspiracy guy to be like, they're trying to hide the sun from us or like, you know, <laughs> oh, you don't need a vaccination. You just need vitamin D. Because I've heard some people like say stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, I no, you. You prob- yeah, I was like, you probably do need a vaccination, but like vitamin D is not going to hurt. Like, you know, so I've definitely been loading up on vitamins and stuff like that, which is surprising for me because I never used to be that type of vitamin person or, you know, about peak health. But like little bits like, well, obviously, spending a lot of time indoors or through the pandemic, spending indoors, vitamin D cannot hurt. Absolutely, I, mm. I, I take like one to two thousand UIs of vitamin D every day. So just to I just take help. two of the tablets. I don't even look at the measurements. <laughs> no, they're, they're one thousand IU's, and uh, so I usually take uh, two of them. Yeah, or well, there's like unigrams, and they're in there's different measurements. So I think between yeah. UK and US, possibly. I'm not sure. On. On medicines, it's usually not. We usually go metric on. That's like the one of the few things that we actually deal with metrics over here. <laughs> it's usually, oh, in, it's actually in, safe in metrics when it comes to medications. Oh, safe. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Most scientific stuff is typically measured in in metric units. You know, still. Uh, we, yeah. Milliliters and such for you know liquid medications and whatnot. So. Oh, okay. Never mind got that one wrong <laughs> but uh, it's the yeah, only man. thing we do metrics on over here though everything it's else the, we're uh, like nah, nah, no yeah no happening no happening at all i was like, gonna say trying to tell me like what three thousand millimeters is and i have no frame of reference to what that looks like sorry say that again 
if you were to tell me like it's that thing's like three thousand millimeters up off the floor, nope. you know, I'm like I have what no happened? frame of reference as to what that's <laughs> that that just doesn't work. <laughs> no, I have no clue. Well, that could be three feet. It could be twenty feet. I have no idea. <laughs> only feet, only feet and inches, nothing else. Well, I'm I'm also in architecture as my day job, so I'm oh, feet and inches enough, all day man. every day. So yeah. Oh, that's cool. I've done a couple of jobs in like uh, the Middle East and South America and whatnot. They oh, were monumental. all in men- in metrics, and so it was all millimeters. Oh, Everything rough. millimeter was the base unit. So like a, a, a outlet that we would normally say is like 18 inches off the floor. It was something like you know 1500 millimeters or something, whatever it happened to be. And some, like, I, I read those dimensions, and I was like, I have no idea what what that even is. How t- how high that is? How tall that is? <laughs> how big oh, that thing is? Yeah, I bet, like, completely, because it must have been, like, fish out water sort of style. Yeah, of course. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Crazy. So what we would typically do would be draw everything in the units that we're used to and then just convert, convert it over afterwards. So. Oh, of course. So just, that makes sense. You just change Isn't the units, the drawing, and it comes in as metrics. So. Yeah, well, You're drawing everything one-to-one anyway. You, well, I mean, everyone just has a phone, so just type in the phone, isn't it? There's that too, yeah. <laughs> there is that. Always works. Always big option. Or I can just say, "Hey Google, how many how many inches is 14 centimeters?" You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I've uh, I don't know. I've just been freaking out about the not freaking out about technology, but just thinking I've been spending far too much time onto it, and like you know all that fucking they monitor what you say. Not been paying attention to that too much, but definitely be speaking less to Google and speaking less to Siri. Right. Yeah. My- sorry oh go ahead uh, a little bit less norm like just these days i guess just like just seems like everyone's conspiracy mad at the moment so yeah. it's kind of rubbed off a little bit on me so i've been speaking less to google and siri not that i'm like they're listening into me specifically but like i'm just like oh <laughs> don't know just weirded out by it all <laughs> yeah my daughter brought that up to me she was like do they really listen to you i was like mm, well Yes and no. I mean, like they can. They've done a lot of stuff that they weren't supposed to. I mean, like that's what it comes in our country. The, there was a whole big stink with the NSA listening in on citizens illegally, and that guy Edward Snowden that like called him out. And now yeah, he's cool. he's uh, exiled in in Russia somewhere, and well, that yeah. whole mess happened. But I had there to tell her. Like, of... Sorry, I was to say I had to tell her that. Uh, they can't listen to everybody because if you had you, that means you would have to have someone assigned to you to listen to you all day. So for every million people that's that there are in this country, you'd need a million people sitting and listening, and oh, of they, course, yeah. you just can't do that. <laughs> it's yeah, not feasible. no, you couldn't. You can physically do it. Like, and like the thing is, is there is that side where it's like you know, oh, if you've got nothing to hide, you got no problems. And there is that's kind of true. And it's just like, but it's still a bit freaky, isn't it? That someone could be listening in or whatever. It's just like, oh god, oh god. But then we are on a podcast just talking about our lives anyway, so we have nothing to hide. Like, do you know what I mean? So it's one of those ones where it's like, why am I afraid? Of, why would I be bothered by Siri if I'm on a podcast talking about myself? But I don't know. Just one of those weird things on it, really. Of late. Yeah, I get it. It's. Especially with everything that's gone on, you know, the the trust level of our leadership is in has been in question a lot too. So like we were talking about earlier. So. Yeah, of course. Well, I think it's just made me a bit more of a technophobe when you just watch all this stuff kick off online or kick off on the street or like kick off just generally. It just makes me a bit of a technophobe. Yeah, I get that. I sure mm-hmm. do. Oh well, the world will become normal soon enough. I think it is just the pandemic, though. Do you know what I mean? Because everyone was just restricted to phones and restricted to internet constantly. So it's just probably like just a bit of weirdness. That normality should hopefully come soon. 
at least some resemblance of normalcy. <laughs> some revel- some resemblance. <laughs> have you uh, have you gotten a vaccine or do you plan to? Um, I don't mind taking a vaccine. I haven't. I'm not within like the age groups that we need to take a vaccine. I don't think because like they're definitely playing it in the UK that you know if you if you're under a certain age you're fine or like under. 30 i think and i'm 28 so i'm just under that sort of age group but i'm assuming that i will probably need one before like because they do have you got like vaccine passports and stuff or no no not vaccine passports have you got like um have you have you no sorry yeah vaccine passports have you been talking about vaccine passports out in the states there have been talk about it but there's a lot of resistance to that people are like oh hell no <laughs> yeah well they're all about doing it just to go to the pub but like it hasn't been doing it currently um i'm trying to see Oh wait, Scottish Tory leader says Boris Johnson should resign if he broke. Oh yeah, there's like this whole stuff about Boris Johnson got the um, government to pay for a flat, so they're all saying someone saying they should resign, but I doubt he's going to resign anytime soon. Sorry, my internet was popping up with that. Um, <laughs> but um, what was the question again? Sorry. Um. Oh yeah, if you were going, if you plan to get the vaccine. Oh, plan to get the vaccine. I'm not afraid of the vaccine. I'm not like an anti-vaxxer. Or anything like that, I would happily take it, I guess, if it got offered to me. I um, they do like they're on about doing vaccine passports for the pub, but um, yeah, I'm I'm not fussed. I'm a bit like, no, no, not even not even paranoid about it really. How about you? Have you have you had it or? They opened it up a few weeks ago to here to everyone over over the age of sixteen. Okay. So I I did go just last week or a week ago yesterday. Yeah. No, this is Sunday. Um. So a week ago Friday, I went and got the first vac- the first dose of the Moderna one. So it's four weeks before you can get the second dose. So it'll be mm-hmm. May twenty second, twenty first or twenty second, one of those days that I go back and get my second dose. So, yep, okay. I've had one. And it didn't you didn't have any side effects or anything like that? No, just like a flu shot. My so- my arm was a little sore there for a couple of days where I got the shot. And that was it. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I remember my parents like literally. I've seen them after they had it, and nothing. I think my dad was like a bit like my dad's a little bit conspiracy sometimes, or like conspiracy minded. And he's like, ah, oh, I don't know if it's all right and all this stuff. And he's like, no, he's he's been fine. He's been absolutely fine. And you could barely even feel the microchip that they put in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had one time where I ended up in the hospital and I was like, they injected me something and I, they didn't really tell me what it was, but I'm just thinking to myself, is, where, where's, where's that microchip? It's somewhere in here. <laughs> it is somewhere in here. But then again, like, with the whole microchip, Elon Musk is releasing, like, what is it? Um, Neuralink. Neuralink, yeah. And, like, people would just take that. I don't think I'd be the first one. Like, I would not be the first one to take it. Like, no, I wouldn't either. Wherever. But I, I think that's an inevitability. I mean, we've got wearable tech now, and it's just a matter of time before it's implanted. Yeah. Of course. And, and like, you people. Don't, you don't have to Sorry. say anything, you just think it, and yeah. your results are going to come up. Yeah, completely. But, like, the thing that, like, some people are like, oh, I wouldn't get it done, or, like, or people would be like, oh, I'm worried about technology and all this stuff. But they would be the first person to get, like, Neuralink signed up for themselves. So I just, yeah, it's interesting. It is interesting. Did you ever see, there was a series that was on Netflix. I watched part of the first season, and I kind of lost interest, but it was called um, Altered Carbon. No, I have not. The, The premise was that you had this what was called your stack and in the base of the neck of people, there was a little spot where they could insert a chip. And so your memory, your whole consciousness 
was downloaded onto this thing. So like if your body died, they could just take your, your stack out and store it until you they find another host and stick it oh, in really? another host and you, away you go again. You're still But would you have like the same consciousness? Yeah, all like, your memories, everything are exactly the same. Like but all, what if they took wait, so they took it while you were living? Apparently. I'm not sure exactly the, the, then, like, the supposed what science two, behind how they got it. What if it was two of you, you'd have like split consciousness. Oh god. I, I don't know how this would work. Cause like, I tried not to think it? too deeply into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I have watched a lot of that sort of shit and then end up way too deep in those. Yeah, 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 those are things not worth thinking too deep in. Yeah, that's like you know, you know, is Arnold Schwarzenegger really a robot from the future? You never really know. <laughs> no, I'm definitely smoking enough weed to start thinking all that. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, oh man, so. Before we get done here, I wanted to be sure we get back to your music. Um, oh, of course. Yeah, how many how many idea. singles do you currently have out now? So there are two singles on YouTube currently, and oh. that's um, same cliche. And I know. Awesome. And you said there are more that you're you're feeding out every so often, what like every four weeks, six weeks, something along those lines. Yeah. Well, there's another one coming out in six weeks. So I'm working with um, a like digital designer. So he's making like all crazy artwork for it, and like taking like visuals of my head and moving them and doing all crazy things like that, which should be a lot of fun. Um, and I guess like that was kind of written about the whole sort of lockdown situation. There's like a line going, all I'll see this year is the kitchen sink. And like a lot of these sort of tracks, to be honest, like I didn't really think of the relevancy in the lyrics until post fact. Do you know what I mean? Or like how much probably like they are not, they're not written solely about lockdown, but I guess like it's written about viewpoints or like, I don't know, just like what, how I interpreted things happen. I guess like art just exposes what you interpret. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. It was, it was influenced by your surroundings as you created it. Yeah. 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 Completely. And like, I didn't realize that until post fact, you know what I mean? You know, when those ones where you don't, you listen back and you're like, Oh, I did notice something. (laughs) <laughs> just one of those weird ones because like at the time at the time i definitely like it was in studio and you know not partying but like there was drinks about and i was going for it and i was like reading back from an iphone and just like trying to piece in piece and lyrics together more than anything or like that's how i kind of write stuff it's like i just like write on a notepad and or like write on notes on my iphone and then kind of piece it together at the studio itself but like listening back i was like oh i noticed something and i had a bit of an opinion on that but yeah. Awesome. So how many more songs do you have recorded that are ready to release? So I have another two that are recorded ready to release and like a whole hard drive full of demos that I'm just taking with me to Bristol in a couple of weeks and then just start working on with a band. And yeah, just start approaching festivals and gigs really. I think like I'm gonna end up doing one of those dirty club tours. It's gonna be like the first major thing I'll re- like announce um probably after the rest of the tracks have come out or in between the tracks, depending on lockdown, prescri- lockdown, all that sort of stuff. But um, I think Dirty Club Tour is going to be the first point of action and then try and get myself in as many um, small festivals as I can, really, to be honest. I think festival circuit, in especially in the UK, is like one of the ways that untimed bands probably get the furthest, really. There seems to be a lot of like backing at festivals for unsigned bands or like independent bands, anyway. I don't right. know if the same like that out in America. It has been um, really right now. I don't know how 
big right band now, is at the yeah. moment. But um, right I know now, I think a lot of bands have been purple. discovered that way. Like, heck, one of my favorite bands of all time was still Metallica, and like yeah. I discovered them because a buddy of mine happened to catch them on some big festival tour like that it was called the monsters of rock back in the late 80s mid 80s probably around 86 yeah. i think so do you know what's weird do you know um young blood glad that names are in the bill um well anyway like they're quite a big band or they became quite successful and like i ended up finding out about them because i mixed them on a show and like like literally in um, a small venue in london before they got massive and me and a mate watched like watched them and we went they are gonna be absolutely fucking huge like me and a bar bar staff or whatever was like they're gonna be massive and then lo and behold give it a couple of months they just became massive and it was on like one of these small sort of day festival shows but there's definitely a sign i think like still with music that if you watch a band you're like hold up they're actually amazing there's a good shot it's, it's worth going for like do you know what i mean more and more but like i'm wondering how this is going to work out post pandemic but like i definitely think that if you see a band and they're like on stage and they're actually pretty fantastic there's a good chance they'll go somewhere yeah, that's what happened. Like I said, my buddy came down there. I lived in western Texas at the time. It's about a six-hour drive west of the Dallas area here where I live now. Okay. And uh, that's the Dallas area is where that one of the locations where that big summer tour went down. There were only about maybe like eight dates for that big show, and because uh, a big stadium tour, you know, um, yeah. like that, it was an all-day-long festival thing. I think it might have been two days long actually. Come to think of it. And uh, but a buddy of mine got tickets, and he had a cousin that lived down here, so his mom let him come down and stay with his cousin and go to the show. And when he came back, he was called me and a buddy of mine both over. He's like, yo, I've got to hear this band I heard at Monsters of Rock. And uh, I got over there. He had bought the tape like as soon as he got home, and he played it for us. We listened to the whole thing through front and back, and it was like, we're just blown away by this band. And and uh, it, it it changed my trajectory of my musical career f- for life from that moment on yeah. it was that pivotal of a moment there just hearing this one band and it started the same way you're talking about it's like somebody caught him at a festival and like you've got to hear these guys and yeah voila. but there just seems to be like a lot of support in the uk because they do like bbc introducing and there's a lot of unsigned stages and stuff but this this there's a scene for or what was the scene for it before this whole pandemic shit i keep on referencing pandemic but i think that of course everyone's going to reference this for a while um but yeah yep. no literally there there is definitely an unsigned scene in the uk it's just find it but then i fear that texas apparently has quite a lot of music scene these days oh god that's huge between yeah. the dallas area here which has got a massive scene and then the austin scene down in austin it's a little different type of style they've got a bit more laid-back hippie type of a men- mentality down there but there's a lot of country artists down there and there's a, but there's a lot of also like alternative and like like uh, um modern like stoner rock acid rock stuff goes on down there and a lot of really um like a lot of like really the indie rock type sound things yeah, going on down there well, like, because I've always heard the Nashville's obviously like a massive place, but then like I feel that Tennessee's like kicking off quite recently, and obviously there's less, or I don't know if there's less restrictions in Tennessee necessarily, but like more bands are flocking there because they can just do stuff, whereas in other states apparently they can't. I, I don't know. Like I, this is just one more I've heard anyway. Right, and there are certain areas around the U.S. here, like uh, Atlanta down in the southeast. It's it's a huge hip hop area down there, and. Okay. Uh, um, 
like Miami's got its own scene, you know, going on. Yeah, and like cool. LA has its own scene, and then New York has its own thing going on, and Detroit still has its own thing, but it'll never be back in the Motown days like it was. I don't no, think no, it's no. still got its thing going on up there too. So it's but Tennessee's the indie area, so Tennessee's the area that ideas on the stage wants to go. I hear you. Yeah, that, yeah. that'd be a good good spot between. Because between Nashville and Memphis, those two are the the like two big cities in Tennessee that are both huge into music. So, yeah. Oh, and then cool. around the area there, you've got like Kansas City, not too far away, and even Little Rock. And there's a lot of stuff to do and places to play and stuff right on. So you could like hit Nashville and just do like a circle around that and hit a lot of places. Yeah, because I I met this American girl before. Um, in the UK and like fair play to her she went for she originally lived in New York but um Monty something I can't remember her last name but she that was a stage name as well but um yeah like literally traveled all the way from the states and was like fair play do you know what I mean I've actually seen a couple of bands travel all the way from the states to London which I was quite surprised by especially when they're like unsigned or so early in the career but like yeah fair play to them I've actually managed to see a couple of bands from the states out here like unsigned do you know what I mean like completely unsigned yeah yeah, well, Jimi Hendrix got signed because by doing that, by going to yeah. London and playing, and the bass player for the um um the bird, not the birds, um oh who was it that um the people that did the original um uh, oh God what's that song now I'm blanking on the song um House of the Rising Sun oh um Johnny Cash oh the original band uh, REM. No, it was early, early. It was like in the 60s. I mean, it was Hendrix's time. It was Hendrix, the Birds, I, wasn't it? I have no idea. I, I believe it was. I the basis for the Birds that actually was in a club and saw Jimmy, and he happened to know um, the guys from the Stones, and he got like Keith and uh, Mick to come over and see Jimmy. <laughs> I am the worst. That's how he, got, that's how he got really discovered. Is it really? I am so terrible with my musical knowledge for like someone that studied music production and stuff like that. I like have the bands that I listen to, but then it, I kind of cut off. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, oh yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I'll be able to name like probably about like, well, I don't know. It, there's definitely like bands I've heard over time, and like I'll go back to like, um, I've been listening to a lot of Jimmy Eatwild and Alien Ant Farm of like, I don't know why, but um, fucking, I'll go back to like stuff like that, but like I've been listening to a lot of 1975 and. Charles Gambino and the streets and just pretty much keep into what I know. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, um, yeah I don't know. It's a bit of a weird thing. I end up just not listening to as much music as people expect. Doing this, I've had a lot of opportunity to listen to a lot more, you know, oh, varied artists and a lot of, a lot of unsigned, mostly pretty much all unsigned artists. Yeah. That's all I have on the show. So I've listened to a lot of different stuff that I've, Probably would have never experienced otherwise, but it's been a really fun journey. I've, I've really enjoyed doing it. That's it. When I've done like mixing live music, there, that's the one thing. When I was like, what, like, that's why I enjoy music live because live is a bit more like a bit more varied and a bit more like like what you've got because you go to well, you get varied bands in. When you go to a gig, you get varied bands in. You get to hear just hear a mix of everything, and that's why I enjoyed London at one point because you literally go down the street and go down to one venue and. And then be able to see bands and it'd be like, oh, metal band in this area. And then I went to another area called The Dome. And it's just like an 80s synthwave band, which was sick. Uh, I can't remember what they were called, though. 
but either way but like they were huge and they were absolutely fucking huge and you know those sort of venues where like well the band wasn't like massive like number one chart success but they still had a couple like tens of thousands of people there that's awesome yeah. i know the the area around here there are a lot of venues like there's there are, there's like one spot in downtown Dallas that we'd refer to as like Deep Ellum, and there are several places where you can go park and you can just walk and do like what you're talking about there. But the rest of the venues around the area here are pretty scattered out. You have to drive, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes from one to the next, so you can't really hop them like that. But there are still a ton. Like literally we could be playing a gig every like Friday and Saturday night for the next six months and not hit the same venue twice. Oh, really? And and not leave the Dallas Fort Worth area. Oh really? I think yeah, the UK's less like that, but like that's that's impressive. That's that's cool. Yeah, it's it's massive how many venues and I mean some of them might have, you know, like a eighty to a hundred person capacity. They're small, but um others are bigger. They have like a couple thousand capacity. Like the oh, bomb geez. factory down in in uh Deep Ellum over there. It's uh it's one giant room with a giant balcony upstairs too, and it's they probably hold two to three thousand people in that place. Yeah. And once you find your scene, it's like you do definitely retain those sort of crowds as well. Definitely. Yeah. And I, I love playing live because our stuff translates much better. And like everybody that see, does see us live, they they're like instant fans. So I'm like, that's good. <laughs> that's it. Like I think that the recordings like I've done have worked out well. And like I definitely get over the vibe that I'm trying to get over. But like live is it's it's all about live. I think especially with a band like mine, it's definitely like live is where I thrive. <laughs> Absolutely, the energy yeah. is just different than on a recording. You know, it's just. When you're there in person and the the crowd's getting into it and you're getting into it because of the energy they're feeding you, it's just like it's a symbiotic relationship that really makes everything better. Oh, of course. I remember I played a gig with a band called Mechanical Audio where I play guitar for them. And um, I went to climb over the barrier. I wasn't actually planning on stage or like crowd surfing. I was just planning on like climbing over the barrier and walking around a bit. But I fell straight on my back and onto one of those like, you know, the steel um barriers or whatever and obviously the pain was ecstatically bad but then obviously being live you just kind of push through the pain and have a lot of a, a little bit of a laugh for it like do you know what i mean yep that's awesome yeah. it's all about fun like it is all about fun really at the end of the day i try and keep it serious and like you know talk about um trying to play gigs or you know but like at the end of the day a lot of this is about having fun with it isn't it really yeah, absolutely if you're not having fun with it why bother why bother? Yeah, it would be a little bit pointless. Well, that's awesome, man. I think it's probably a pretty good place to start wrapping it up here. Um, yeah, man, that sounds good. Where can everyone find you online? So, Instagram, Ideas on a Stave, or just YouTube, Ideas on a Stave, and then there's Same Cliche, or I Know. Um, restricting everything really to oh, I say restricting again coronavirus <laughs> um, but yeah I'm keeping everything to the uh, Instagram page just to sort of keep it all within one place and then everyone can see all the updates and everything that I'm doing that's awesome yeah that's where that's where we came to, found each other was on Instagram so. yeah man and I will link up to everything in the description here in the show notes page when I get around to that I'm like way behind on show notes pages I'm on the website <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think the last one I did that was uh, uh, show notes for was episode like 26 then um, I just dropped episode 33 last week so oh, I'm a little enough. behind so but <laughs> that's all right no <laughs> I'll <worries. get> there. <laughs> yeah man 
safe. Well, anyway, it was good speaking to you, man. It was good to talk to you too, Stephen. Cool. Have hope, a good day, Bill. Yeah, have a good rest of your evening. We'll talk to you soon. Cheers, man. Bye, mate. Take care. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Autonomy Talent Podcast. Whether you're listening as you're commuting to work or as you're washing the dishes or mowing the yard, we greatly appreciate you listening and helping us to support indie artists everywhere. Be sure to follow us all over social. You can find us at Autonomy Pod, all one word, on Twitter and Instagram. And we're also at Autonomy Talent on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, you name it. Or you simply just go to autonomytalent.com slash links. From there, we have links to where you can listen to this podcast on your favorite podcast player, be it the Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Google Play Music, or even Stitcher. And also, there's the Podbean app. They are our hosting service, and they do have their own app. So if you grab the Podbean app, you can actually catch our show as well as many other podcasts. And lastly, if you go to that links page and you still don't see your favorite podcasting app, the one that you like to use, just drop me a note and I'll be sure it gets added to whatever player you like to use. To send me a message, just go to Autonomy Talent on either Twitter or Instagram and drop me a quick DM letting me know which app you like to use and I will go immediately, or as soon as I can, and add our feed to that app. And while we're on the subject of sending me a message, if you are an artist and you would like to be interviewed for this show or have your works featured on the Indie Artist Spotlight episodes that we release on Wednesdays and the occasional Fridays, Drop me a line, same way, Twitter or Instagram, and let me know that you'd like to be featured. Shoot me a link with some of your work, and I'll take a look at it, and we'll see what we can do by getting you on the show. And that wraps up yet another episode of the Autonomy Talent Podcasts. Thank you again for listening, and I hope you enjoy this half as much as I do, because for me, it's it's a ball getting to talk to these amazing artists and getting to feature their works on the spotlight episodes that we do. It's just, it's just fun. So I hope you're having fun with it as well, and we're going to keep cranking these things out. So in closing, remember to always live intentionally.